Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. I'm Mel. I'm Alex. And I'm Candace. Hello, ABGs and ABBs. One of our favorite parts about this podcast is connecting with fellow API individuals doing interesting work and sharing these conversations with you. And have we got a treat for you today. Today's guests are Candace Ha and Alex Pham, who are colleagues at the Los Angeles Division of the FBI. That's right, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which is the lead agency for enforcing civil rights law, per their website, aggressively investigate hate crime, color of law abuses by public officials, human trafficking and involuntary servitude, and freedom of access to clinic entrance violations. Whoa. Sorry, this is just to sound so legit. <laughs> Candace, <laughs> Candace is a community outreach specialist overseeing the Los Angeles Division's API program. She focuses on straightening ties with API organizational partners with the goal to cultivate a safe and more inclusive community. Alex is a special agent at the Los Angeles Division assigned to work counterterrorism matters. She often travels overseas to the Southeast Asian countries to fulfill the FBI's mission internationally through liaison efforts. Special Agent Pham is also one of the diversity and inclusion coordinators for the LA Division, responsible for promoting diversity, inclusion, and equity within the FBI workforce and local communities. Wow. Can I just say these are incredible bios, and we are so honored to have you both here. So to be honest, our understanding of intelligence and security agencies has always included, you know, a healthy amount of mystery and curiosity. And it's also been encouraged by the way that Hollywood depicts your work. Um, in other words, we don't really know a lot of what you actually do. So we are super excited to have you both here today on this episode to shed some light on what it's like to work at the FBI with two very different and fascinating angles as Asian American women. Please welcome Candace and Alex to the Asian Boss Girl Podcast. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I mean, we just read your very impressive career bios, and I'm like, damn, we are in the presence of some boss women right now. I feel like when it comes to talk about the FBI, on the outside, we always view it as very serious work. So let's just break the ice by sharing perhaps a few fun facts about yourselves. All right, I guess I'll go first. I mean... You know, I know from the outside it can be very intimidating, but, you know, with Candace and I, we're two, I don't think we're two very intimidating people. But for me, um, you know, I grew up in primarily in Southern California um, uh, to immigrant parents. Uh, my father is uh, immigrated here from Vietnam in the 80s, and my mom came here from Cambodia. They actually met here um, on the East Coast, migrated to California, and here I am today. Um, so, you know, growing up, uh, with, you know, two parents from two different parts of the world, really, or two different countries uh, has been very interesting. Um, so, you know, no one in my family has ever done law enforcement. I'm the first person in my family to uh, be a law enforcement officer or be part of a law enforcement agency. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm very proud of that. Um, and another fun fact, I guess, is I really like to eat. Um, being in LA, there's such a vast culinary scene here. Um, so, and you know, it's so diverse in the communities and so diverse in the food that we have out here, whether it's food, whether it's drink, um, you know, so I, I don't know. I just really like to eat. A lot of people don't realize that, um, I need to eat to, to function, um, and to also do my job. So, you know, being in LA and being in Southern California in general, there's just so many unique cultures and backgrounds here. And with that brings food as well. So, um, so I'm not sure if that's uh, common with my other colleagues, but I do, I do enjoy eating. What's your, what's your favorite go-to meal? I have to ask. Oh gosh. Honestly, Ooh. recently it has been, um, soon tofu. So Korean soup. Mm, I, because yes. it's been so cold and rainy <laughs> yeah. here in LA, um, you know, I have a favorite place in Sawtelle called Seoul Tofu, actually the Sawtelle area here near our LA office. Um, that's been my go-to. I actually had some last night. So that's why I thought about oh, it. Oh, taking notes. Yes. I'm taking notes. I'm right around the corner from there now. How about for you, Candice, your cultural background and also a fun fact about you. So I'm Korean-American. Uh, my parents moved from South Korea when they were fairly young. My mom was about like 9, 10 years old, and my dad in his early, mid-20s. And then my brothers and I, we were all born and raised in L.A. Uh, I went to school in Pepperdine, so very just local to here, but grew up very uh, conscious of my Korean background. And my parents, I think, did a really great job of instilling Korean tradition and culture at the same time as allowing us to, you know, really embrace American culture as well. So my brothers and I, are, uh, I, I would say, a good mix, a good blend of the two cultures. And then fun fact, um, <laughs> This is kind of embarrassing, but my friends have been really pushing me to say this. Uh, I'm actually a commercial actor here in LA, oh, so I do oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, acting was something that was like, in high school, it was just a hobby of mine. I was just, I just thought it was so fun, and I would take acting classes. Then it took a back burner when I went to college, because I had so many other things I was focusing on. And then during COVID, you know, when we were all locked inside our houses, and we couldn't really do much, and uh, we were all restless, and... Uh, really craving that social like interaction, I started to take it up again, and then um, I ended up going into it like professionally. So I'm like signed with a really fantastic team of uh, agency here in LA, and I do that outside of my work. That is awesome. What commercial can we see you in? If we were to uh, look you up after this, <laughs> so I can confirm that none of them are online. Okay. Thank God. Uh, but dang. Uh, but no, I'm like super new, and it. it's just like uh, 
I, I'm like barely just starting. Uh, it's just mostly a hobby, but eventually I do uh, really hope that I can go into it a little bit more um, seriously down the line. That's awesome. Ah, very cool. We love a multifaceted woman. Something our listeners are really, really curious about is how do you both got started with this career with the FBI? Like, when did you both realize that the FBI was a, like a career path for the both of you? So I'll start off. So honestly, for me, you know, being part of the FBI, being part of any law enforcement agency never crossed my mind. Uh, when I was in college, mm-hmm. I studied a foreign language. Um, I studied Arabic. Uh, so my degree is in Arabic studies. I also studied uh, Islam as well. So my degree is in Arabic studies and Islam. So for me, my goal at the time, I was one of those college students who had no idea what they wanted to do. But for me, learning about a different culture, a different language really fascinated me. So at the time, you know, I was really fascinated with with, you know, with the Arabic language and, you know, the amount of countries where the Arabic language is spoken. And my goal is to travel the world and study more Arabic and learn more about the languages and culture and, and obviously the cuisine, which is something I am a fan of as well. Um, you know, so my goal in college was to do that, get my degree, travel the world and then figure it out. Um, but randomly one day I was at a career fair and, you know, there were so many different government agencies there, you know, the FBI was there. I I think, you know, the Department of State was there at the time as well. Um, You know, the DEA, all these three letter agencies were there. And I just walked past them and said, here's my resume. Here's what I'm studying. You know, I'm studying Arabic. What can I do? And like, what can I do here? Um, And it just so happened that two recruiters from the FBI were there and they said, hey, like we could really use your language skills. And I said, really? How? Why? What would I do? I want to travel. That's what I want to do. Right. I mean, I was, you know, probably 19 at the time. I had no idea what I was talking. I didn't know. I did not know who I was talking to nor what I was talking about. You know, for me, I said, hey, Mm -hmm. my goals are to travel. And they're like, oh, you can travel in the FBI if you want. And I said, really? Um, So the two recruiters at the time at that job fair actually said, hey, like, if you're interested, uh, we have what we call our honors internship program. It's a competitive internship program. You know, it's a great way to get your foot in the door, work here in the FBI in Los Angeles or wherever you'd like across the U.S., Um, you know, and if you like what you see or if you like the work that we do as an intern, uh, you have the option to come work with us full time. Uh, So I said, sure, I guess I'll check it out. Not sure if I'm going to stay full time because I'm going to travel. Right. That was my goal as a college (laughs) Mm -hmm. student. Um, But, yeah, I actually ended up interning for the FBI here in Los Angeles. I got a full time job. Uh, as an analyst for the FBI right after the internship ended, and now I'm a special agent. Um, So I really like what we do here. Um, There's so many different things you can do in the FBI uh, besides, you know, your day job per se as a special agent or an analyst, Uh, you know, for example, the diversity and inclusion committee that um, that I run here. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how I got started. I kind of stumbled upon it, didn't realize what it, like what was in store for me or, you know, if I Mm -hmm. would even stay there or stay here for as long as I have. Um, but I'm still here today. Awesome. How about you, Candice? So for me, uh, I similarly was studying something with plans to go into a career that had nothing to do with law enforcement. So I was at Pepperdine studying English, and I wanted to be a elementary school teacher. So I really love working with students, uh, young students, and that was my goal. Uh, but then really similarly, we had a career fair on campus, and uh the FBI was there at a booth, and I was like, oh my goodness, the FBI, like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? Is this for real? And so I walked mm-hmm. up and I asked them questions, and it turned out that one of the agents that were there that day, she was an alum from Pepperdine. So I was able to really connect with her and kind of like, uh, 
picarines about the job and what it was like. And I think part of what she shared about this mission, being a part of something bigger than yourself and waking up every day, working towards serving and protecting other people, that like really spoke to me. And there's so many different ways that you can serve your community. Uh, being a teacher too. I mean, we'll talk about, you know, a really, really uh, like selfless position, but um, I just really connected to what the recruiter said that day. And so I applied to uh, the collegiate hiring program, not the internship, but it's kind of similar. It's like as a senior, you apply and then they, uh, if you get accepted, you move into an entry-level position. So that's mm-hmm. how I got it. I, I think it's like really cool. You guys kind of stumbled upon the FBI like, through a career fair. I I, um, I think for me, like I, I have a question in terms of your family, but like I think sometimes we see the FBI as like, oh, it's such a secret, like very um, uh, a force to be reckoned with type of, uh, I guess, like job that I would never think they'd be on a college campus. I don't know. Like, I always think like you're like secretly picked out from the crowd or something. But as you guys are, (laughs) right, as you guys are, you know, like expressing your interest in um, your your career in the FBI, like I'm sure your families found out that this is something you guys wanted to pursue. Were they ever like um, afraid for you both to joining to join the FBI? Because I think obviously, like what we see on TV is like it's such a dangerous job. So I'm just curious, you know, like as an Asian like daughter, my, I feel like my parents would be like, "Oh my God, I will not. You're not allowed to do this job." Yeah, totally. I mean, when I first told my parents about, "Hey, like I might be an intern for the FBI." You know, growing up with immigrant parents, I'm not sure if you all have experienced the same thing, but in their minds. I, I was going to be a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. So they said, oh, are there lawyers in the FBI? Like, are, you know, what, what are you going to do in the FBI, you know? Aren't you going to get your degree and, and join one of those fields that I just spoke about? And I said, I don't know, but it seems cool. It's an internship. And there's no ties to it. There's no guarantee I'm going to even get accepted, right? I'm just applying. Uh, but for, for me, my parents, you know, again, they were trying to steer me away from any law enforcement or military type careers and more into like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, choose one of those three. That's a safe bet. You know, you'll you'll make a good career out of yourself and, and build a good family and things like that. But, you know, for me, their initial reaction was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're going to join law enforcement. Um, but, you know, because, again, for them being immigrants, you know, they – you know, they came here to escape, you know, whatever happened in their respective countries. Um, so to join military or law enforcement, they're like, no, you should do something safe. Mm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially they were surprised and it actually took them a while to accept the fact that, you know, hey, I'm interested in the FBI. I have now made it into the FBI. I have a full time job in the FBI and I'm a special agent with the FBI. It took a while for them to accept that. Um, but for me, it's understandable. I mean, I think if I was if I was in their position, I would I would be surprised, too, and would try to steer them, you know, toward steer myself, I guess, away and towards a, a more safer, a safer type job. But um, it has been interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then for me, absolutely. I mean, my parents, too, no one else in my family is in law enforcement. And so it's not something like a a legacy, right, where I'm continuing Mm -hmm. a family tradition or anything. I was the first. My dad thought I was crazy. My mom was concerned. Uh, Because in their minds, it's like what you were saying, the public typically doesn't know much about the FBI except for what they see on media, right? So in my parents' Mm -hmm. minds, I'm about to put on tactical gear, go, like, jump down the door and get shot at, right? So that's what was going through their minds. And they were just like, 
what? And I'm the only daughter, like my siblings are brothers. So my dad was like, why does my little girl want to go into law enforcement? Like he was just freaking out. Uh, but how I got them to turn around was to explain like, no, what you don't know is that the FBI actually is made up of mostly non-armed special agents. Uh, 60% of our agency are professional staff. And I am going for a very safe behind the desk job. So you don't have to worry. And um, I also, I use an argument that I feel like looking back was pretty, pretty smart of me at 20, 21 years old. I said, mom, dad, you know, you, you and your parents above you move to America because you Mm. want to seek better opportunities. And you wanted to provide those opportunities to me and my brothers. So, you know, this is an opportunity that's standing in front of me today. And as of right now, it's what I want. So I want to take advantage of the opportunities that you work so hard to provide me and go for it, right? Like, will you will you stand by my side? And luckily they did, you know, they, they supported that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm here today. What a smart way to <laughs> to, yeah. to get them on your side. <laughs> I feel like, um, okay, I have to ask this question. And I don't know if this is inappropriate, but we are a podcast that talks about, <laughs> um, you know, all aspects of being Asian women, as you both are. And one mm-hmm. of those aspects is about dating and relationships. And <laughs> I'm so curious because even, you know, Alex, when you were mentioning, like, I am a special agent, like, is that something or like even saying I work at the FBI, is that something that you in a in a dating context that you've mentioned on a first date and what's like people's reactions oh, been like honestly like i not a lot of my friends i mean i'm sure if i if people i know who i haven't spoken to in a while listen to this podcast and hear wow alex fan like she's an fbi agent that it's not something that i really disclose to a lot of people mm. you know i i mean we don't for mm. us thankfully here at the fbi you know, we don't have to hide the fact that we're special agents. We don't have to hide the fact that we work for the FBI. Obviously, we can't, you know, openly post on social media or a dating profile like, yes, Alex, FBI special agent. No, we cannot do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, when it does come up in like a first date situation or things like that, I, I actually don't bring it up. If somebody asks me, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? Um, you know, honest, obviously, this is not in I'm not being honest but I, I always say, hey, like, you know, I'm a grad student, which at the time I, I also I, I was I was pursuing my a graduate degree while working for the FBI. So I gave them another piece of my life besides going towards like, hey, like I work for the FBI or like I'm a special agent because, you know, one thing about our jobs is that you just never know how people react mm. to, hey, I'm, I work for the FBI or even, you know, hey, I'm a law enforcement officer. I mean, most people will look at me and when I do say that. They don't believe me, <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm like, I'm five foot one, 100 pounds. Do I look like the typical special agent? Probably not. Um, you know, but for me, that's something I'm proud of. Right. But it's also not something that I'll definitely reveal to someone I just meet, whether it's in a dating situation or, you know, just a friend of a friend mm. or things like that. It's not necessarily something I'll bring up the first time because, you know, I have to get to know the person, get to trust them and kind of see like, hey, is this something that I will reveal? Because it is a big part of my life. Mm. It is what I do. Um, and, you know, obviously it's something I'm proud of. And for me, everyone is entitled to their own opinions. I get it. Mm. If you, you know, if you like law enforcement, great. If not, again, we're all entitled to our own opinions. Uh, but no matter what mm-hmm. you think, you know, Candace and I, we're still going to be here. We're going to still be here <laughs> doing what we do you know, protecting, you know, our, our communities and the societies around us. Um, but yes, with dating, it's difficult. It's hit or miss. You know, sometimes you get that feel on the first date and you're like, you know what, I think I can bring this up. But for mm-hmm. me, I think my, 
law enforcement officer side comes out during any date or, you know, any interaction with someone new and that I'm like assessing who they are, mm. you know, in a sly way. I'm not going to just look at you, right, and be like, hmm, can I trust this person? <laughs> yeah. Or I'm not going to go through a date as if it's an interview, right? You know, yeah. I'm just going to have a conversation and kind of, you know, figure out who you are through that. Yeah, not showing all your cards at once and then whipping it down and be like, I'm a special agent. <laughs> I'm sure Damn. most people would run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Honestly, I was thinking about the show Pink Lie because I feel like, I don't know if you've watched it, it's a, it's a Korean dating show, which I've, Mel and I have both finished. Janet, I'm not sure if you have yet, but it's like <laughs> everyone, started, no. everyone has a, not a lie, but like a secret, secret about them that they don't want to reveal until later on. Um, mm. And this would have been such like a good like, Bam! You would have been a great, oh. great, <laughs> a great candidate for that show for sure. Um, and just quickly too for you, Candace, is that is this something that you also feel like you you don't reveal right away, or do you use it to your advantage of like, I am so cool? <laughs> no, no, I'm totally the opposite. I actually really don't like bringing it up because, mm-hmm. um, like, I just think it's embarrassing. Like, I I know the the reaction that a lot of people have where they're like wow, FBI, so cool. And then they'll associate me with that coolness, but I'm really not that cool. So I just, I don't like, <laughs> I don't want cool. to talk about it. So like if people ask like, oh, what do you do? Whether it's on a date or it's just, you know, meeting new people, like let's say I'm networking or I'm just mm-hmm. at a friend's birthday party mm-hmm. or whatever. I'll just say, oh, I'm an event coordinator for this company. Oh, like I just, I just like wow, you very... <laughs> you both yeah, have like false answers that you give. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. We're not taught to do this. Like, no one sits down with us yeah, and says, like, yeah. oh, this is how you should answer. Mm. Everyone deals it with their own way. If people are comfortable with it, they can absolutely share. But for me personally, mm. I just don't like the attention of, like, mm. oh, my God, FBI. That's drawn to me in a public setting. Well, I think sense. you're both yeah. very cool. So <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Well, I'm curious, what do you feel like is the most challenging aspect of your job? Because I would imagine that being a part of any job there, it comes with challenges, but especially being a part of the FBI, whether it's how the public perceives your organization or the level of scrutiny that's expected, or even like the conversations that you've had to have with your parents, right? There are challenges that come with being a part of the FBI. What do you think is the most challenging aspect for for the both of you? I guess for me, I mean, one of the most challenging things is, I mean, so, you know, as a special agent, you know, we, you know, we, we, all of us, actually, we all take an oath to protect the American people and and uphold the Constitution. And as a special agent, you know, we are responsible, obviously, for doing that. We're responsible for, you know, protecting the American people, upholding the Constitution 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 360, like every single day, like that's what we do. And whether it's, um, you know, working the investigations that we are assigned to work or if we're out in public. And, you know, there may be a situation where we have to intervene. You know, I, I feel like it. you just never know what's going to come up. Mm. You know, obviously, you know, when I run my investigations, we have a plan. But we always plan for the unplanned. We expect the unexpected. You never know what's going to come your way next. Um, or if you're out in the public um, and something happens, you know, we are trained to react. We are trained to take action, you know, when it is appropriate. Um, so sometimes that uncertainty of, you know, not knowing what is like what's going to come next. Um, mm. For me, that's mm-hmm. challenging. Mm. Yeah, I can see how that could be very, yeah, very difficult. And also it feels like you're always um, like on guard or heightened mm. your your um, observation of everything is always very heightened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how about for you, Candace? Yeah, for me, you know, b- before I give my answer to that, I'll actually give a really perfect recent example of what Alex just spoke about, which is uh, the Monterey Lunar New Year Festival. Mm-hmm. So myself and 16 other employees were actually there, and we missed the shooting that occurred by three hours. And so uh, that happened, obviously, very unexpected. We could not have ever imagined that something so tragic and dangerous as that would have taken place. And um, even though it didn't, we weren't there when it happened, uh, a lot of us did come back early next morning to help deal with the aftermath of that. And things like that, though, we don't always want to assume the worst and just be anxious and nervous all the time. We have to keep in the back of our minds that anything can happen at any given notice. So um, that that was just an example that I want to share of something recent that, uh, that kind of exemplifies mm-hmm. what Alex talked about. And then for me, I would say that due to the nature of my work where I'm face-to-face out in the public engaging with the community all the time, one of the things that is challenging is navigating the emotional responses that different people have to law enforcement. So it kind of touches on what Alex said, but um, I work with the Asian American community specifically, uh, but we have other community outreach specialists that deal with the other communities. And we never know when we show up, okay, are the people going to be excited to see us? Are they going to be in awe or are they going to be intimidated? Are they going to be fearful? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be angry, right? Sometimes we get questions Mm -hmm. like, what are you guys doing here, right? So we never know what that response will be and whether things will be tense or things will be comfortable and welcoming. And so uh, being prepared for however people might uh, receive us and navigating that is probably a big challenge. Mm. So for any listeners out there who might be interested in pursuing a career within the FBI, is there anything about the application process that these folks should keep in mind, whether it's cleaning up their social media or what else could there be? I don't know. But is there anything that for someone applying, um, it would be beneficial for them to pay more 
pay closer attention to? I think, um, you know, for people that are interested in, in applying, I, I would hope that, or I hope that everyone would know that, you know, obviously what you see on TV, you, you, you really, like Candace alluded to early, all you really see is, you know, a special agent, you know, do like kicking down a door and arresting somebody or, or doing some sort of action like that. But, but really like our FBI workforce is made up with, so there's two sides. There's special agents and there's non-special agent positions. And those non-special agent positions we call professional staff. So I'm a special agent, Candace is professional staff. Um, you know, I, I think those who are interested in applying should know, who are interested in applying should know that there's two sides to it. Maybe you want to work for the FBI, but, uh, you know, carrying a gun and badge and, you know, having the ability to arrest people or run investigations, maybe that's not for you, but maybe you still want to get involved in some way. Um, so actually, it, you know, if you are, there's actually way more positions in the FBI beyond the special agent position. You know, we have approximately 36,000 employees in the FBI and only about 12,000 of those employees are special agents, meaning the majority of our workforce are professional staff employees. Um, we have hundreds of job, different types of jobs, whether it's community outreach specialists, analysts, forensic accountants. We have biologists, chemists. You know, we hire all sorts of people, um, you know, so... If anyone is interested, you know, they should know that, you know, there's more to the FBI than being a special agent. There's so much to do. Or, you know, maybe you're like someone like myself who becomes an intern, joins as a, on the professional staff side. And then, you know, once you decide that you want to be a special agent, you can make the move over. Um, you know, so I think it's important for people to know that there's more to the FBI than just being, um, you know, a special agent. We also have people that work in media. Um, you know, we have people that run our social media accounts as well. Like there's all types of jobs here, you know, within LA with, you know, across our other offices and also at our headquarters. So, um, you know, those who are interested in, interested in applying should know that. And I think Candace has stuff to add as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Helen, to speak to the kind of social media cleansing that you were referring to earlier, I, you know, there is no policy on that, right? No one, no one will go and tell prospective applicants, you need to do that. But it is something that I would recommend people to be aware of, right? How are you portraying yourself to the rest of the world? Is the way you post about yourself on TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat the way you want your potential employer to see you as like is is that the same thing and um if not then uh you know maybe that's something that you want to work on right so uh, i would say something that's really unique about the application process for the bureau is that there is a lot of emphasis on your character so you know, we have something called the background investigation, which takes anywhere from six months to 18 months. And that's like on average. That's a lot of time that our agency is dedicating towards making sure that you are a good, well-rounded person. And not to say that other companies don't care about people's character traits. That's certainly not the case. But, um, you know, Google might not spend six to 18 months delving into your life to see if you're a good person, right? Uh and so that is definitely something that uh, is very unique. We're going to have um, investigators that, you know, look into who you are as a person beyond just your resume and your cover letter. And uh, for special agents, part of their application process is also a fitness test. Oh, yeah. uh, they want to know that you can, you can <laughs> actually hold your own if you're going to be an armed uh, agent of the law. And so... That's something to take note of as well for people who are interested. You know, uh, don't be discouraged, though. We've had a lot of special agent applicants where 
when they first wanted to apply, they couldn't do a single push-up, but then they really, really dedicated their time and effort. And by the time they really did apply, they knocked it out of the park. So um, a lot of effort is definitely required if you want to go into that line of work. Um, and for every single employee, whether professional staff or special agent, you do have to take um, a drug test and a polygraph test. So polygraph, it's it's exactly what you guys are thinking. It's the lie detector test. You're sitting in a chair and you're strapped up to all these things and they ask you questions about your life. And uh, it's not something scary. It's not like they're in there to, uh, you know, intimidate or like interview you as if you're a criminal. It's more just to, like I said, that emphasis on character, on honesty, integrity and responsibility. They're really uh, going through every means they can to ensure that the people that are being hired are um, the best parts of society. So. Yeah. So just to add one one point to that. So because so everyone who works at the FBI, um, well, no matter what position it is, requires at least a top secret clearance. And because of that, uh, we do have to do a background investigation on all applicants, um, which, you know, with the background investigation comes a polygraph and also the drug test. So that's just across the board for all applicants. It doesn't matter if, like Candace said, it doesn't matter if you're a special agent application, applicant. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, you work on our vehicles, if you're an automotive worker, if you're an outreach specialist, an analyst. We do it for everybody. Um, so one thing for listeners to know is that, you know, as you can tell, the, the application process for any position here is lengthy. So unlike other, you know, jobs that you might apply to where you can apply, get interviewed a couple weeks later, or even the next day get accepted, you kind of get accepted for a job here pretty quickly, but we only provide, we provide you with what we call a conditional job offer pending the background investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so for listeners that are interested in joining, um, yes, this is a great place to work. Uh, however, the application process does take some time. Um, so don't, don't expect to apply, get accepted and start the next day or the next week. Um, it could take, you know, like Candace said, six months, a year, 18 months, uh, depending on how long the background investigation takes. Got it. And I'm just personally curious, what is the mm-hmm. fitness test like? Is this like a, a week long, everyday eight hours a day situation or like um, <laughs> if you can do a certain number of squats or, you know, what's the what's the magnitude of it? So I will say um, the physical fitness portion is only required for the special agent position. Uh, there's some people that might think, oh, my gosh, like, do I need to pass the fitness test if I want to be a outreach specialist or an analyst? No, um, the fitness te- portion is only required for special agents. Um, and our physical fitness test um, consists of so it starts out with sit ups or crunches. So sit ups, um, uh, 300 meter sprint, uh, push ups a mile and a half run and pull-ups. So individually, each um, portion of the test is simple, but when you put it all together, it may not be so simple. Mm. <laughs> so, um, so in you know the special agent application process has consists of many phases. There's several interviews. There's several tests, um, and the final portion of it is the physical fitness test. Um, and obviously, once you pass the physical fitness test, um, you know the background investigation and things like that begin. Um, but the physical fitness test stays with us throughout our careers. We take it many times while we're in training at the FBI mm. Academy, and as a full time special agent, we are required to take it once a year. So it stays with us for our oh, entire wow. career. <laughs> how many how many pull ups can you do right now? Yeah. Um, oh well, dang! <laughs> she put you on the spot. You only get the pull up bar. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so I will say if I'm just doing pull-ups by themselves with no other physical activity beforehand, I could do 10. Wow. But, but as it comes, as you can see in the physical fitness test, uh, it comes at the very end. Oh, um, I'm oh, usually man. very uh, tired at the end, so maybe one or two. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't, I can't but, do one. Actually, Mel and Janet, can you do one? Candace, can you do one? No, I can't, actually. <laughs> I can do a lot of push-ups, but I cannot do even a single pull-up. So that, thank God I don't have to take that fitness test. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the, tr- the, the hanging, the free hang, I don't think I could do it the proper form. But I think I could do a fake or, like, the halfway one. But, like, one. <laughs> And then once I get back down, I'm not coming back up. So. Yeah, 10 is very impressive. That's it fun. is. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. So it sounds like the application process and just getting in um, can be quite strenuous and, you know, involves so much. Uh, but once, say, now that you're hired and you have these two different um, kind of divisions or, or different types, how was the training like? Is it the same? I mean, it sounds like there's probably going to be different requirements, but like, say you work on the professional staff side, do you still have to go through like firearms training, all of that? Like, how did your trainings, how were they and how did, how did they potentially differ? Every job role in the FBI has a different type of training uh, for the special agent training specifically. Um, obviously, once we get accepted uh, to become a special agent, uh, we are required to go to the FBI Academy and training, uh, depending on you know when you go, uh, training can range anywhere between 16 to 21 weeks. Uh, when I went through, I was at the, the FBI Academy for 21 weeks. Um, and basically, you know, we... The training uh, for special agents is called basic field training course. So it, it is, I don't want to say it's basic, but, you know, we learn the basics of everything. So we learn, we have firearms training, we have defensive tactics, we have tactical training, uh, even tactical driving training. And then in the classroom, we, we do a lot, we do a ton of legal training, a ton of, a ton of training on our FBI policies, how to run an investigation, how to conduct interviews, how to conduct interrogations. Um, so we learn the basics of you know, all of those um, categories that I just mentioned. Um, so we're there for approximately four to five months. Um, and then we get assigned to a field office. So we have 56 field offices across the United States, with Los Angeles being one of them, where both Candace and I work. Uh, we come to our field office um, and we are assigned to work um, a specific violation. Um, so we're assigned to, so we have different, so every field office will have a counterterrorism division, a counterintelligence division, a cyber division, and a criminal division. And within each division, um, there are teams uh, called squads. Um, so there will be like, you know, say four to five counterterrorism squads uh, in LA, uh, for example, or criminal squads or uh, cyber squads. So we're assigned to a squad to, and responsible to work a specific violation. Um, so basically, we, we have to go through training, pass everything, and then we come back to the field. We're assigned to a squad. And once we are assigned to a squad, we are still in a training phase in that we are subject to a total of two years of a probationary period. Um, so besides you know, going through the FBI Academy at Quantico, Virginia, passing everything, uh, we are still on a probationary period until it's two years from the date that we start the academy. So we come to the field, uh, we're assigned a field training agent, and we receive even more training, um, a lot of on-the-job training, um, and even some external trainings as well. So for special agents, the training period 
is quite lengthy, um, but once we pass that probationary period, um, I like to say we are real special agents at that point. <laughs> you know, we're not on probation anymore. We're not subject to a lot of the oversight um, that we are given uh, when we are on probation. Of course, you know, we still are in a squad. We have a supervisor and upper management as well. But um, for us as a whole, um, it's about two years of training. Wow. And how about you for you, Candice? Yeah, so if you don't want to go through all that training, join the professional <laughs> staff side, because uh, we certainly do not have to go through all the physical components. So whether it's the fitness test, the firearms, the defense tactics, the defense driving, like all of that, uh, we don't need to learn that. If you are someone who's personally interested in firearms training, certainly you can do that on your own time, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not required of you for the job. Uh, but I will say that depending on which position you are, you may get uh, actual on-the-job training beyond just working with your supervisor on your first day and your first week. Um, some professional staff positions are sent to the academy as well, just not for uh, physical component training like the agents, but uh, they will also learn about you know uh, analysis training. Like if you're trying to be an analyst, right, they will teach you um, all the techniques and all the tactics to do that. A lot of in-classroom instruction on like FBI history, FBI policy, um, things like that. And so different positions on the professional staff side too will get different lengths of training. Um, but I would say for the most part, it's kind of down to your new team and supervisor to fill you in and you just kind of learn as you go. So for me in this job, I didn't have like a training at all like they I just came into it and I was like okay luckily I'm an extrovert so I will say it it was a little bit easier for me to acclimate to this very on-the-go job than perhaps maybe an introvert might have it might have been a little bit tougher for them to just start meeting with people uh, in the community right away Uh, but because of my like personal um love of like public speaking and engaging with people and having conversation. It was just a lot of learning as I go. Like I just do an event and I'm like, okay, how can I make the next one better? And so on and so forth. Uh, my next question is actually directed for Alex. You know, obviously, being a special agent, there's a lot of um, security and privacy things surrounding everything. But are there any closed cases that were particularly memorable that you can legally share that cement in your enthusiasm for the work that you do? Even if, even if it's just like two to three sentences, we'd love to hear <laughs> okay. anything. I mean, I will say, I'll speak in general about this one uh, because it was uh, closed not too long ago. Um, but I worked, uh, an investigation, uh, so every investigation, we're never by ourselves. We have a, we, so when we run an investigation, we're called the case agent, right? So leading that investigation, then we have a co-case agent or maybe multiple co-case agents who lead that investigation. Um, I worked an investigation with a co-case agent where a lot of the subjects and victims, like they're, they were Asian, they had an Asian background. Um, so that made it very interesting, you know, for me as a special agent, you know, whether it was interviewing a subject who looked like me or who thought, look, you know, we, you know, we came from the same background, right? Or talking to a victim who felt comfortable speaking with me because, you know, I'm an Asian American woman. And for them, instead of seeing the FBI, they saw me, right? So mm. I guess I have a lot of memories about cases, but this one in particular really stuck with me because 
you know, whether it was speaking to a subject, right, who came from a similar background as mine, um, you know, it was interesting how that subject became more talkative once they saw me sitting across from them, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe they opened up more or maybe, you know, they questioned, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Like, are you sure you're the FBI? You know, so it's very interesting to see the different, I guess, perspectives from a subject, right, who had just been arrested. They're sitting across from me and another agent, but they're looking at me like, I don't really believe they're your FBI or, oh, thank goodness you're here. Let me talk to you about this, mm-hmm. right? Or speaking with victims where previously they had never wanted to speak with law enforcement because there wasn't someone that looked like them, right? Or someone that they really felt comfortable speaking with. But, you know, seeing me in a crowd and I, if I, when I approached them, they said, yes, finally, I have someone that I want to speak with, right? So Mm. it kind of, for me, that investigation in particular really brings home the fact of how important representation is. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even for me growing up, I don't think I ever met like an Asian American law enforcement officer, until I went, got to college. Um, so to, to be a part of this, you know, the FBI and to be able to represent, you know, the Asian community and being able to do outreach or run my investigations or speak with subjects or victims, you know, who, you know, come from an Asian background, um, for me, it just shows how important representation is because whether or not you're a good or a bad person, I, you know, I feel like you always should have someone that you feel comfortable speaking with, you know, and for me... I hope that, you know, by joining the FBI and or being a part of it, being a special agent and being able to do run investigations or go out into the community um, to represent, you know, the Asian American background. I think that's really important. Um, but but yeah, this investigation really stuck with me because, you know, it really opened my eyes to, you know, the other side of it. Right. How the community sees us and how, you know, people were either, you know, people spoke to law enforcement for the first time, like in their lives, you know, and. So I'm not sure if that really answers your question, yeah. but um, that one in particular was very memorable for me. Yeah. Can you, if, since the case is closed, can you drop them a little egg of like the violation of the of the case? Um, like CT, but what in CT? Oh, it was a uh, special <laughs> acronym. <laughs> no, no. So this this was a um, actually a criminal case. Um, it involved um, Asian gangs. So, you know, it was very interesting mm-hmm. to work and learn about, you know, this whole other community within L.A. that I never knew about um, until, you know, coming here and working the investigations. And again, when it came time to, you know, making the arrest, serving search warrants and, you know, bringing in subjects who had just been arrested and talking to them, it was really eye opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I was thankful that, you know, I could be there to represent. Of course, you know, if someone's arrested, they're not always going to want to speak with anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Because and they don't have to. It's within their rights. Um, but, you know, sitting across them, across from these subjects and offering them, hey, like, if you want to talk great. If not, it's within your rights. I'll leave right now. Um, but most of them wanted to speak um, because I was sitting across the table from them. And again, it just really reined in how important representation is, sure. um, no matter who you are in the community. Um, yeah. So for me, it made me realize, like, this is important. And I hope to, you know, as you know, an Asian American special agent or, you know, an employee with the FBI, I hope to encourage, you know, more Asian Americans to join as well, because it representation really is important. Yeah. I love that. And I just after this interview and this conversation, I appreciate you both so much for the outreach that you're doing and also just for being on the scene. Because I can imagine like, especially during that time 
um, those times where these individuals are in, in a very unfamiliar space. It's like seeing a familiar seeing a familiar space just gives you that sense of um, comfort, you know, in difficult times. So, yeah, really appreciate both of you for picking picking this career path for yourselves and and representing for us out there as badass women. Thank you. (laughs) One of the last questions I want to ask is, are there any common misperceptions or stereotypes about the FBI, especially perpetuated by Hollywood or media or any examples that you've seen on TV or movies that is actually accurate? You want me to take this one? Accurate? (laughs) There's a lot of stereotypes that are not accurate, but you can start and I'll build off of what you Okay. I'm sure she can speak to more of it because she's an agent, but I would say um, if I had to pick the biggest misperception or stereotype is that um, everything is just super intense all the time and that Mm. the cases will just get, like, clue after clue after clue will just pop up. And then it'll just get solved. Um, it's not like that at all. Uh, on the on our side, not everyone is stoic and serious. We have total goofballs and people with their own loud, awesome personalities. Uh, and we, I like to say that we are a very colorful workforce, not mm-hmm. visually only, but you know, like in terms of people's personality traits and everything. So we have a lot of fun, like. Like, we'll pull pranks on each other in the office all the time. It's not like this very intense uh, image that's shown on TV um, in some of the shows. And then, um, yeah, like, cases, I'm sure Alex will build upon this, but they are not solved quickly. Like, some things can take a lot of time. They can take months and years and uh, just take forever to gather all the investigative pieces that are needed to really solve and close a case. And so I would say those are the biggest misperceptions. And then if I had to choose something that's actually accurate, um, you know, it is Hollywood. And though we were laughing about it and saying that some things are, you know, uh, exaggerated or untrue, I will say that something that the shows do a really good job of capturing is the emotional toil or impact that it can have on the people who are working these cases. So as you can imagine, seeing some of the darkest sides of, you know, humanity and society on a daily basis can really wear you down. It doesn't matter um, how strong you are as a person, um, seeing things like that and dealing with such dark things can really get to you, right? So I think the shows, uh, because I actually, I love watching crime shows, even if uh, they're not fully accurate and so when I watch them and I sometimes I'll get emotional with the scene because I'm like oh my gosh yeah like this this is what we do in real life Mm -hmm. like people we invest emotionally and personally because uh, our uh, employees are so passionate about protecting and serving other people that it's kind of almost um, inevitable Mm -hmm. that you're going to have a personal stake in what you're doing and so uh, that kind of uh emotional response to what you might be dealing with when you're um, helping the victims or hearing about really difficult experiences that people are having, that I would say is something that is pretty accurate. Yeah, just to build off of what uh, what Candace said, yeah, some misperceptions, I mean, you know, cases don't get solved in 45 minutes, (laughs) you know, um, and Candace is like what, exactly what Candace said, you know, they 
like they just stumble upon like the next piece of evidence that they need or they happen to just stumble upon the person they need to arrest. Um, you know, cases can take, you know, six months to years. I mean, we have cases open that have been open for Decades. 20, 30 years mm-hmm. and they're still unsolved, you know. So, um, you know, that's definitely a very common misperception. And, and like Candace, I love criminal, I love criminal, sh- I love crime shows. I love criminal <laughs> minds. I still, I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch the criminal minds revolution yet, but I'm looking forward to watching that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the, it, yeah, casework investigation, <clears throat> excuse me, investigations do take time. Um, and I think, you know, when you watch a crime show, you'll see that, you know, an arrest will just happen, right? Um, but if, mm-hmm. um, I guess if listeners knew how long it took to, how much administrative paperwork or <laughs> or time it takes to actually build up to that arrest, um, you know, it's definitely longer than 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, I think everything you see on TV, they'll just go out and do it. Like, oh yeah, let me just go search this house. I'm like, you know, the amount of time it takes to get a search warrant, <laughs> it could take months, <laughs> depending on how much mm. evidence we need to collect to build up to to be to be able to even you know go to the judge with um, you know the the request for that search warrant. You know, I think there's so much administrative uh, paperwork and I just administrative hurdles that you don't see on TV. Um, but we always say here, you know, every hour you spend outside the office, there's two to three hours of administrative paperwork um, here. Um, but but no, but besides that, I mean, I really do enjoy crime shows. And, and something that they do get accurate is um, now I've noticed uh, a lot of shows uh, portray a more diverse cast mm-hmm. um, with, you know, whether it's FBI or local law enforcement, LAPD, um, sheriffs even, you know, they show a pretty diverse cast. And I, I'm happy to see that um, because, you know, not a lot of people realize, you know, our organization is pretty diverse. I mean, we are still growing um, and we'll increase our um, how diverse we are. Um, but I like to see that in the shows. And, and yeah, the emotional toll for sure um, is definitely portrayed there as well um, because yeah we deal with you know work like any job it ebbs and flows um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we have a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows as well um, so but the portrayals on tv are pretty accurate in that got it well thank you so much I think that's a question I feel like everyone who's listening and be like I wonder what you know what's accurate what's not so thank you so much for sharing that and general thank you so much for joining us on this episode and you just shared so much insight into your careers and what it's like to work for the FBI and we just want to say thank you on the behalf of our team and everyone. Like, thank you so much for the work you're doing to serve and to protect. Um, where can our listeners learn more about pursuing career with FBI? Is there a certain website they could they could check out? Yeah, so um, we have we have two websites. So if you want to learn just about the FBI, um, FBI.gov is our FBI website. And if you want to learn about jobs, um, it's FBIjobs.gov. And we're always hiring. Not a lot of people know that we're always hiring. Um, you know, on a rolling basis for multiple positions. So if you're interested, you know, definitely check out the websites, um, see what's required, um, and yeah, check us out. Yeah, and before I build on that, I just want to say thank you to you guys too. I mean, you keep saying thank you to us for serving and protecting, but you guys are absolutely serving this community too. Because like I said, I could name like more friends than I have fingers easily on the spot that listen to your podcast and gain so much encouragement and advice and guidance from what you guys share. And uh, what you're doing is totally making an impact. I mean, I didn't like to think that even, you know, 5, 10, 20, 15, 20 years ago, there, an Asian American media company didn't exist or an Asian American podcast didn't 
exist at all. And to think that you guys are the ones who created that and are leaving that behind as your legacy, uh, that is like so wonderful and it's it's uh it's really it's really inspiring like we're so grateful like I was um listening to some of your uh your pod your recent podcast where you had guests on there and I was like Candace like I don't know if we're good enough to be on this (laughs) podcast like they have such cool people and they, they speak on such a wide variety of topics but you know to for you know people like you like all of you like strong Asian American women who you know run this podcast you're really representing as well and and just to echo what Candace said just thank you so much for what you do um yeah like I I know a lot of people that do listen to your podcast as well and are such avid listeners and when I mention it to them they're like you are going to you are going to be <laughs> on there and i said yeah yes i me and candace you know we're a lot of people know us in the office and what she alluded to earlier like you know the fbi we're not all serious we're serious yeah. when we have to be but we're also human beings too so we like to have fun um so so yeah no thank you thank you so much for what you all do and and really for having us like we never expected you know to, mm-hmm. to be even be like invited to be a part of your podcast so thank you we're all like no thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i mean i i think one of the reasons why we also wanted to bring you on is because that there are asian american and women you know who are working in like law Mm -hmm. enforcement in all of these different industries not just in i feel like media is what's portrayed the most and Mm -hmm. so we want to bring in the stories of people who are working in jobs where we wouldn't expect a lot of asian especially asian women to be working in so we just really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for coming on <laughs> and sharing your story and sharing your insight. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean, we just think it's really cool that you're you're both doing this, and it's very important. It's not just cool work; it's very important work important. as well. So no, I, I'm gonna win this thank you battle because. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm gonna say is that without you guys, we wouldn't have this platform for us to talk about this, for us to share this, right? So that can reach so many different people at the same time in fields outside of our work. You know, it's really easy for us to go to a career fair with Mm -hmm. students who, like college students who are already interested in law enforcement. But for listeners who are already fans of this podcast to just hear this one day um, and for this idea and these thoughts to be shared uh, is really impossible without what you guys do. So we're going to end it right there. I'm not like, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm not going to fight like, with anyone from the FBI. So I will stop. <laughs> well, speaking of platforms, if you both are comfortable, are you able to share, you know, any socials in case someone from our, our listeners wants to like DM you about a question or no, Um, we're, we'll be able to share like the FBI's social media um, definitely if listeners have questions, I mean, I don't know, Candace. Yeah. I'm, uh, if listeners have questions, yeah. FBI social media, I can totally share that, uh, in an email, my like work email that I have that I use to communicate with the public. That's totally fine. Um, and yeah, and I can share my, uh, email and stuff as well, uh, through Candace so she can provide it to you all. If you all have any follow-up questions as well, or if you have listeners who want to reach out, they can reach out anytime. Well, we'll put that in our show notes for anyone who's interested. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. 
If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree in our link in bio and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. In addition to our main show that releases every Thursday, we now each host mini shows that release on Tuesdays. Tune into K-Dreaming with Mel, Living Well with Janet, and Spill the Baby Tea with Helen. Each week, we release a new episode of one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune in to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye! Bye.